Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sokoler here with the Louisville Real Estate Show with you till the top of the hour. And we've got a packed show with a lot of information. As we say on a regular basis, strap in, buckle up. Here we go. In for Randy Rocky, we start with Steve Phillips, who's over at Swan Financials. Steve's done the job, does a great job with us. And uh, you can reach Steve through Randy at 6450736 also here Lee Harris legal counsel limestone title and escrow and you can reach Lee at 6497964 my son Greg who does our marketing photography and so much more is joining us and uh, you can reach me Bob Sicola anytime day or night 3765483 all right starting off the very top we have probably the most important thing that is the Federal Reserve laid groundwork for interest rate hikes this past Wednesday. At the conclusion of its two-day meeting this week, the central bank said it will aggressively unwind last year's bond buying after a variety of inflation reports reached their highest levels in decades. So other news, rental demand surged in 2021, partly because many higher income households turned to renting after unsuccessful searches for the for sale market homes last year home buyers viewed an average of believe it or not eight homes before purchasing that's the lowest number on record typically you're looking i would say what great you think it's maybe 12 to 16 homes in past years before I mean, yeah what what's normal now we're in I don't know. Yeah. of this mania so you know I, I, sure but does yeah. it matter what it used to be no no, but there's so few homes, so we go out with a a, a buyer right now. Inventory is terrible. That's all. Yeah, that inventory is now down below 1,200. Normally, we've got 25 yeah. to 3,000 homes in the Louisville area alone. So you go out with a, a a buyer, and if you see the home you're looking for, and you want to wait and look at others, it may be gone by the time you circle back. So that's the and problem. I, I had this conversation with one of your clients actually uh, the other day. Is yeah, you know. He's, Inventory, inventory, but you know, once once interest rates start to go up, I said, "What is it going to matter?" He said, "Well, if they go back up into the fours, I said, "Listen, four years ago when I was buying one of my first houses or my second house, rather, I was at four and a quarter. Yeah, I would do it again, but right now yeah. I'm yeah. at a, I'm at a two yeah. five two. So it's like, but but you're still going to have an inventory problem no matter where you go. If you want to see this show again, and then we do this on a regular basis, we're doing our Zoom shows, which means we're doing our shows." on zoom and when we feed it up to youtube you can go to louisvilleanswers.com that is louisvilleanswers.com and um that will hopefully give you a rebroadcast see what we're doing all right steve let's uh, let's start with you in terms of uh, questions what we're doing with the zoom we ask you email us send us an email bob at we louisville.com put your in the subject line Radio question, and then the question in the body of the email. Pretty simple. Michael did that. He said he saw a news report this week that the federal government's going to raise short-term interest rates, or at least down the road. He says, how will that impact long-term mortgage rates and his ability to buy down the rest of 2022? How quickly will we see something change on that, Steve? Well, I mean, for the most part, this whole year, we're going to continue to see increased 
rates going on up through that th throughout the year and probably even into 2023, um, especially with the inflation. If you know, until they get the inflation tamed down, we're definitely going to be seeing these things happening. Um, at this stage, how fast is it going to be? As you mentioned just a bit ago, you know, yep. we know March they're going to start doing the tapering so of the yep. bond program. So the market has already accounted for that, but it doesn't mean, you know, there's a lot going on over in Europe with uh, Ukraine and Russia. So, you know, all that's impacting everything in place of, of the market as well, but it could go faster. It could go slower, but it's coming. And Michael, what I would tell you is experts are saying around the world, well, more around the country that we'll probably see four to four and a half um, uh, interest rate uh, for mortgages this year, by the end of this year, but we'll see what happens. Okay, Lee, you're up. Here we go. Jennifer sent us an email saying we're selling our house. It's only been two years since she bought the house. She says we moved into a brand new house when she bought it in February of 2020. You got that so far? Because this, this is actually a very interesting yes. question. So they buy a brand new house. Okay. They move into the house in February 2020. The builders listed the home on the multiple listing service when they were building it in 2019, which is, a, as you would expect, a very common thing for builders to do to start attracting right. interest. Okay, so far, so good. Sure. So she's selling the house now. She starts looking at the uh, PVA, and on PVA, it says the house was built in 2019, but for records in disclosing what year the home was built she's only been living in it since february of 2020 so the question is what does she put down how old is the house what does her agent put down did she move in in 2020 and so the home is only two years old as of right now or is it what PVA says, 2019 this is actually a really fascinating question because it will affect Anybody who has just bought a new home in the past couple of years, including you, Greg, and or those who are going to sell it in the next couple of years. Lee, yeah, your thoughts. The, I yeah. guess what's the debate? Because I would say my house is the, the age of when it was completed by the builder. Or when you moved in. See, that's the discrepancy. Hold on. Well, that's how old the roof is. It's not if I moved in seven months, eight months later, yeah. it's not because I moved in. It's the I didn't, I didn't change the age. You know? So technically, the question becomes, when does this clock start on a new construction home, Lee? Is it when the person moves in or when the home was starting to be built? I'd say it's when the certificate of occupancy is issued yeah. so that, therefore, it can be lived in. Uh, so if that was, I mean, she's talking about February of 2020, that's not far into 2020. If that was issued, say, in December of 2019, then you're only talking about two months. If it's if it was issued in January of 2019, you may be talking about a year uh, plus a month. But I'd say that it's when the COO is issued because up, up until then, nobody can live there. So it's not a little that's, home. Right. That's great. And but that's, that, that refutes what Greg just said, Greg, so that it doesn't. No, no, yeah. well, well, the. I didn't know my, my point was in theory, if you're if you're saying the home is this old, well, the 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 time span of when a builder is going to get a CO, they want to get the CO as soon as possible so that they can get yeah. the occupancy, obviously, because they they got to pay interest on their on their bank note. Right. So it doesn't make a difference. I think you're looking at a small window. But for your client, the question would be, you know, OK, when did you come into the process? 
Uh, did mm-hmm. it take seven mm-hmm. months? Did you pick finishes? Were there things that you could, did, that you couldn't move in because you couldn't get the CO? Because chances are, like I said, the time span's minimal. The builder is going to get that CO as soon as possible. And if that starts the clock, well, then the builder doesn't want that home sitting on the market. Doesn't make a difference when the homeowner comes in. It's Lee, when, when, and, yeah, go ahead, and I go ahead. I was just no. going to say, and I would just if you know clarify if 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 she wants to, because if somebody looked at the PVA, they say, "Whoa, you're lying." The it was built in 2019, and you're telling right. me it was built in 2020. She can just notify. She can just make a note on her disclosure or wherever she's disclosing this information that you know we moved in in February of 2020. We don't have a lot of information before then, but we're giving you our disclosures from the time we moved in beforehand. But obviously, mm-hmm. since it was a new build, obviously it was started in the year pr- prior to that. And real quickly to wrap this up, so is there a place that a, a homeowner can go online right now to see when a certificate of occupancy was actually issued by the county of their home? If not it's not online... Yeah. If it's not online, then they can call Planning and Design, who is actually very uh, helpful. And somebody will answer the phone, and they, they give them the an, uh, the address. They will look it up for them. Interesting. All right. There you go, folks. So in this case, really, Jennifer, it's possible you can answer it by saying it was 2020. But I think you may want to do a little more detail uh, investigating as to when the certificate of occupancy was actually issued. So that's that's interestingly very interesting. Okay, back over to you, Steve. Laura sent us this question. She's trying to find her first home, but has lost out to other buyers because can you guess? According to her agent, the loan is FHA. That her loan is FHA. So uh-huh. he wants to know, Laura, saying, yep. so what is wrong with an FHA loan and um, what can she do to change to another type of loan? Steve? Sure. So uh, FHA is focused primarily a little bit more than conventional on the safety and welfare of the buyer. So there are certain things that the FHA appraiser is going to require to be completed that will add extra reports to their appraisal. So those things uh, will include uh, cracked windows and, and well, peeling paint. There's various things. I don't need to get into individual. No, but peeling paint is things. a big one. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Slow gutter, uh, yeah. drains, gutters, clogged, things like that. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. So um, because of that, there is a higher expectation of the property being in a, a state of uh, 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 standards for FHA that isn't there for conventional. So a lot of times the appraisers will get tripped up on things that uh, FHA is going to require that the conventional side doesn't. That's one thing. Um, other than that, I do believe uh, that there's a little bit more seller fees on FHA than conventional as well. Not much, but I think there's a little bit more extra cost. For the so thing. the second part of her question is, so, okay, so you identify the FHA, what, why is sellers may be looking negatively at FHA loans. So how can she switch? What can she do as a buyer to move from an FHA loan to a conventional loan? Okay. So conventional loans are certainly much more credit score driven. So you've got to focus on trying to get your credit score as high as possible. The higher you can get it, the better. 720 and above is really what conventional loans uh, prefer. They go down to 640. Um, so there's certainly some room you know, to go and still get into a conventional market. But with the lower scores, you are going to find that you're going to get higher interest rates, probably higher mortgage insurance rates, um, maybe possibly even higher down payment requirements depending upon the program. So mm-hmm. 
um, all of that's going to just be more expensive to you as a buyer with a lower score trying to get into conventional. That's why FHA fits those lower credit score borrowers a little better. Um, and unfortunately, what she is saying is correct. It is happening. I, I think it's getting a little better, but I've definitely been experiencing the pain of trying to get an FHA borrower into a conventional sales uh, environment. Especially um, with as limited inventory that we have right now, which as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's in the 11 or low 1200 homes on the market in Louisville alone. And typically we're seeing 25 to 3000 around this time. So, all right. All right. Good there. Hopefully we answer that question. We back or back over to Lee. Greg, feel free to jump in on this. Nicole sent us an email and she is worried. She bought a house and the listing agent used a handyman to repair a plumbing issue. The part the handyman fixed is now leaking. At the time, her agent objected, her buyer agent objected to the listing agent requiring that a handyman not be, uh, the person repairing not be a handyman, but a plumber. But the listing agent insisted that was the only way the seller was going to make repairs. So, Lee, what recourse does she have? Greg, what would you say if you were following that? What would you say to your buyer if they wanted, if the selling agent insisted on a handyman instead of an actual licensed plumber to repair a leak? Let's see what Scrub says on that. Yeah, yeah. I would say somebody's uh, doing some elicits because who's, who's, what seller has ever, what seller agent or list agent has ever demanded in our line of work that a handyman must do a job? First off, that agent must not know much about liability and or they've not been around long enough to have liability happen to them. So I would yeah. check the the date on their license first, uh, see how new they are. No, no. I, okay. It's funny that you say that. I, she wrote the name of this agent, which I'm not going to reveal because we're not allowed to reveal something like that <laughs> on the air. I'll tell you about it later. But Lee, what would you say on this? Uh well, I'd say that starting back at the time when they were asking for the repair request, they uh, should put, the buyer agent should always put, uh, you know, licensed plumber or licensed electrician or licensed HVAC person or whatever uh, in order to bind the seller to that. Um, if they did not do so, and this, but the, but the repair is not done properly, the seller if the seller agreed to do the repair in a workmanlike manner, which is what the contract says, and it is hasn't been done in a workmanlike manner or it isn't working uh, soon after closing because the part was not correct or the handyman didn't know what he or she was doing, then the seller is still responsible for that. You know, the seller has already agreed that they would put this particular item in working order. And if it wasn't done so because they tried to do it on the cheap, or by someone who wasn't, you know, specialized in that area, then if it's up to $2,500, then they would go to small claims court. Anything above $2,500, they could go to mediation under their contract. And neither one of those is an expensive route um, mm -hmm. to try to resolve an issue. Uh, and naturally, I would say before you go anywhere and spend any money, you know, send, send them an estimate of, you know, send the seller's agent an estimate of what it's going to cost and ask them to forward it to the seller and say, Hey, we'd like to get this paid for, you yeah. know, because it's not working. And then if they don't do it, then take them to small claims court. Got it. Right. We're going to take a break. First, let me just remind you, we now have five ways to help you sell your home 
and they're just about these ways guaranteed to help you find the home without having to physically move out of your home. We've got some really good ideas here. Go to louisvillebob.com. That's right. You heard it. louisvillebob.com, and it will take you to, uh, to our information page. When we come back, a variety of things on the plate, many more questions that are coming in uh, via email, plus 12 emergency supplies you should always keep in your car. Important information, especially as cold as it was this past week. We uh, are blessed to have Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone, Title, and Escrow at 649-7964. Steve Phillips, who's in for the vacationing Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial at 6450736. My son Greg, who does our marketing, photography, and so much more. And you can reach me anytime to help you uh, buying or selling 376-5483. We are back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. This is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-227. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information, other restrictions may apply. In the real estate market, sellers and buyers have great expectations. And as a real estate agent, you take pride in fulfilling them. But some things are beyond your control. So what can you do? Choose Home Warranty of America's 13-month plans. HWA plans cover the home buyer against any breakdowns or repairs, keeping you and your clients safe from any covered claims. We offer comprehensive plans with competitive pricing, and our dedicated team will work with you every step of the way. To learn more, contact HWA today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I built the number one brokerage firm in New York City by marketing luxury homes to the most qualified buyers. What makes the difference today in your area? The same thing, custom marketing to the right buyers. In Louisville, the agents with the best marketing plan are Bob and Greg Sokola. Their personalized marketing sells more homes for more money. If they can't find the right buyer on your deadline, they will buy it. Get the best marketing for your home. Go to WeSellLouisville.com and put more money in your pocket. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sikoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show, with you here till the top of the hour. And joining us, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow. I had a great closing over at Limestone this past week, and you got to love the cookies. Uh, you can reach <laughs> Lee at 649-7964. Also in for the vacationing Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial, one of his great loan officers, Steve Phillips, who you can reach at 6450736 through Randy. You can reach me, Bob Sokoler, anytime at 3765483. And if you reach out to me, you get my son, Greg, who does our marketing photography as well. And he just kicks it up another level and another notch 
with what he does. So I love him and I appreciate him so much, my son, and proud of him. Uh, thank you, Barbara Corcoran, for your endorsement. You may have seen the new commercial that Greg and I shot with Barbara a month and a half or two ago. Um, we enjoyed being with her for the uh, the afternoon. And a reminder, you want to see what our reviews are like. We've got a lot of reviews. Go to louisvillezillow.com. And you could also go to louisvillegoogle.com. So those two locations. All right. So there are some really important things. It was really cold. I mean, it felt like a minus seven with the wind chill factor or even more this past week. I think it was Wednesday. But uh, there are some things you should carry with you. I'm going through these quick. So I think you, you really want to jot these down or also email me and I'll send them out to you. You want to have a pet-friendly de-icer. That means if you're faced with a slippery sidewalk where ice is melted and refrozen, you can really trip and hurt yourself. So use like um, a kitty litter. That might help you. In fact, that's one of the things besides a pet-friendly de-icer, a kitty litter. Also windshield de-icer and something that may you want to spray in your key lock to keep the key lock from becoming unfrozen. Also a snow brush. There's another thing that just came out. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. A mitten that has a snow scraper built into it. I don't know if you saw it. It's available on oh, yeah. Amazon. Yeah, it scrapes your windshield, keeps your hand warm at the same time. You might want to consider a windshield cover if you keep your car outside parked overnight. A traction mat. Again, you can get these at a local auto store or online, uh, Amazon or any of the like. The traction mat, if you get stuck in a... A, a small hole because of the snow or ice. You put the mat down and the tires grip on and pull you out. Hot hands, you've seen that. You break it and then put it in your hand. It keeps them warm. Non-slip boots is a good thing to have in your car. Heated blanket just in case that plugs into, mind you, into your, your hopefully we all still have those uh, plug-in cigarette lighter adapters uh, in your car emergency flashlight, and then protein bars. Just uh, keep a, a bunch in the glove box. So if by chance, remember the couple of months ago or weeks ago, there were folks stuck on the highway for, I don't know, how many hours, yeah, 24 hours? Yeah, Virginia. So it might be worth it to think about, uh, at that point, having some protein bars. And maybe and if, and yeah. if you get all of this stuff and you don't get stuck, you could just go drive and find a mountain to go ski or snowboard because you just recommended <laughs> all of the things you need for a great day on the mountain. Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> so the dual purpose. Michelle writes in, she's selling her house, but had an unusual thing happen. All of a sudden, some company dropped off an outdoor shed on her driveway. Okay. <laughs> but she wasn't home at the time. In fact, she's living out of town, but a neighbor told her about it. She says there's no invoice attached to this large pallet with ha which has this outdoor shed that can be built out of it on her driveway. What can she do with it? Does she now own it? How can she handle it or get rid of it? Uh, <laughs> my, my first gut feeling is that they dropped it at the wrong house because if she didn't order it, they somebody's probably looking for it. But uh sometimes those sheds are not actually owned by the owner oh. they're actually rented, rented. uh oh. yeah and if they're not put on an actual uh base foundation that's that's permanent um so if i were michelle i would yeah. try look on there i'm sure there's a company name on there of who dropped it off she actually and... wrote in and said she said they looked the neighbors and there was nothing really so, that's yeah yeah it is interesting 
Someone's well, missing a shed. <laughs> yes, somebody's missing a shed is my guess, Michelle. I doubt you own it. Uh, if it stays there for the next year, <laughs> then I'd say you can claim it by, you know, uh, abandonment. But, but probably someone will come knocking at your door pretty soon and say, hey, uh, that looks like my shed out there. But here's the, here's the catch, Lee. Michelle is selling the home, home, the home and she's uh-huh. moved out of town. So, and the neighbors are the yeah. ones who are alerted to this. So when she closes on this home, there uh-huh. cannot be a shed. The, the buyers are not going to take that responsibility. So yeah. legally, there's a real problem there. Well, if, at the very least, she needs to say, I'm not sure who owns this shed. So it's not probably not going to stay here because they might expect to get a shed out yeah. of the deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's very interesting. I've never heard of a shed that doesn't have like a little you know, metal plate on it that says, yeah. you know, owned by yeah. such as those sheds or something. <laughs> We've got, we love questions that we've had some real good ones. Though. Yeah, very interesting. Today, we're just, we can stump Lee. And yeah, no, there you did. All right. So Greg, I'm going to bring you in on this one. Cause I think um, from your standpoint, and again, Steve, this is really meant from a mortgage side, but I want Greg to answer this as well. Uh, Grant sent us an email. He's shopping for a mortgage for a new home. And he's wondering, aren't all mortgage companies the same? Don't they all have the same rates because they get the money from the same place? So Steve, we're going to go to you for a second, but first let's go to Greg. Cause Greg has, a buyer's agent, and uh, I just think he you already. Want the ex- you want my existential answer? Or no, I, no, I want to quick. Is, all, it, is yeah. all customer service the same? Uh, you know, do you, do you like to, to buy from Amazon Best Buy, or do you like a local guy who you're going to pick up your phone every time you have a problem with customer service or, or whatever the case may be? Me, someone yeah. who comes from customer service, I've always said, especially when you're dealing with big money things, you need the phone to be able to pick up somebody that you trust. Uh, all banks are not the same. All small banks are not the same. All lenders are not the same. All people are not the same. So you okay. need to do your- Good. I like that answer. Steve, to you, anything that you want to add to that the question for Grant? Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody kind of has that mentality that, yeah, they're, we're all getting the money from the same place. And Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac is, is a large part of that reasoning. But uh, there are other avenues of money and funds. And uh, we, as a broker at Swan Financial, uh, we have the ability to look around and make sure that out of, you know, 27, 28 lenders, that we are getting the best deal. So mm-hmm. um, and it's not just us, but all brokers out there like that. But, um, you know, each bank has as Greg was saying, each bank has their own personnel in there. And that person is just a person. How long has he been in the business? Does he know the business? Um, you know, just because he's able to get the uh, job itself in the position doesn't mean he has the knowledge or the know-how or the experience to put you through the best type of experience for your situation. Good, good answer. Final question goes to Lee. Timothy right. emailing us uh, with the following. He says he moved into his home mid-June last year. And he has small kids and was just told by a neighbor that there was a sex offender that lives down the block. What actions can he take and or what should he have done prior to buying this house? Okay, uh, that's that's a good question. Um, there's not much he can do because um, people have to register as sex offenders, but they also move in and move out all the time. Mm-hmm. So he, there could be no one there the day he moves in and there could be somebody there the next day or vice versa. Uh, so you can't really control that aspect of it. Um, but there is a database of those registered sex offenders. They're from level one to level four. Some are very serious. Some are not. Um, 
And you can look that up as a buyer on the Kentucky State Police website. You can contact the sheriff. Uh, you put in the zip code. And just to put Timothy's mind at ease, they're probably registered sex offenders in every zip code in Kentucky. Mm. Um, like I said, some are dangerous, some are not. So now that he's aware... Yeah, so I was going to say, yeah, they're, they're, we, we've told people, if you look it up, you, you would either be completely aghast by how many sex offenders are actually registered, or you do absolutely understand what Lee is saying is that every sexual crime that's offended uh, you have to register, whether it be something minor that's out of your control to the major ones. So they're, right. they're a big list and you can see it and it's there for everyone to look at. I think yeah. the big takeaway is that there is a place you can go online and check before you buy if that's what's of concern. So at least you're doing your due diligence and you feel better about the neighborhood that you're moving into, right? I think that- Yes. Coming up. Good. We are out of time. My thanks to Steve Phillips, who did a great job filling in for Randy Rocky over at Swan Financial. You can reach Randy and Steve at 6450736. Also, Lee Harris, who is the legal counsel at Limestone Title and Escrow. And you can reach out and Lee will help you. Very gracious with her time. 6497964. My son Greg, who does our marketing, photography, and so much more. And by the way, if you are thinking of selling, we have a very free, that's free comes, no obligation booklet that has hundreds of useful tips. It's yours for the asking. If you want a copy, send me an email to bob at com. Put selling tips in the subject line and I'll send you a copy via email. And you can reach me in person at my cell phone anytime, 376-5483. Thank you all. We are out Thank of time. You. Thank you. We'll see you next Thanks. Sunday. Thanks, guys. Yep. News Radio 840 WHAS.